leading organizations with intentionality and purpose is complex work. And dedicated leaders work tirelessly each and every day to build impactful cultures of collaboration. But effective collaboration is difficult and messy. The good news is you don't have to do it alone. Join the Jigsaw Learning Team for Leading Collaborative Response, sharing insights for leaders committed to establishing, refining, and deepening collaborative response in their organization. Welcome back to another episode of Leading Collaborative Response. Once again, I get to spend time with Curtis and Lorna Hewson, lead learners and co-founders of Jigsaw Learning. So hi, guys. Hi, Jen. Hey, Jen. How's it going today? It is absolutely going. Uh, we are waiting to hear whether Ball is going to move forward tonight. No, Excellent. Okay. Rain. Yeah. And <laughs> tell us, your son, Jimmy, has started foray into baseball now after the <laughs> hockey and football that's already gone on this year. How's he doing with Ball so far? Well, I was fortunate enough to uh, drive home late on Friday night so that I could be there for his early morning game on Saturday. And I'm so glad I did because he hit his first out of the park home run. That's awesome. I know know that that's for our listeners as we got the text that morning that says Yahoo. And the Uh, picture of the ball. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But like I was telling Jimmy in our uh, earlier connection that we had today, uh, I'm glad that he's figured out the swing on the ball. I that was just never a skill I had. I uh, for the listeners, viewers, I was teasing them this morning that coach had always told me how to lean into the ball to try and get hit in order to get onto base. Don't worry about swinging anymore. And so. I have an even better solution to that. I just never played. <laughs> Well, I grew up playing softball with my sisters and I. My parents both coached all of our teams at some point or another. So I was quite excited when he came this year and said, so I think I want to play ball again because he hasn't done so since he was six. So eight years later, he's found a fabulous community team that he's a part of. And it was so exciting to see the sportsmanship on the field this weekend because it was the other team that went out past the, the field and picked up the ball and brought it back to him so that he could have it as a celebratory reminder. So I was really impressed with that group of kids. Like total class act. That that doesn't happen always. So yay. Yes. So very excited about that. And I'm very excited to continue our conversation here because we keep uncovering different scenarios around onboarding new people into a collaborative culture. Yeah, we absolutely. Have had, we have discussed a number of different things that need to be considered. And as we do that, we keep surfacing new situations that could quite possibly be facing our partners. <laughs> and we actually often start these conversations with a question we've been asked or something that's come up recently. But this actually came from our conversation when we were going, oh my goodness, there's actually something we need to talk about. We've talked about new staff coming into buildings and new admin coming into districts and then school personnel who are worried about new admin coming in, but it then uncovered that, oh my goodness, if I'm a principal in a school that's invested so much time and energy and seeing huge positive impacts out of collaborative response, and then there's a shift at central leadership, oh boy, how do I ensure that everything I, and if we've been doing this at a system level, have invested in time 
that it doesn't go away as a new system um, direction or perspective goes. And again, we know that shifts in leadership always happen and, and with really good reason. But how do we ensure that it's not we drop one thing, start something mm -hmm. else, and then we've lost so much momentum around this work, especially when we talk about collaborative response not being one more thing on the plate yeah. or one thing in your three-year plan. It becomes the plate. It becomes the way that you mm -hmm. ensure success for the priorities that you've established within your system. And how do we help new people coming into system leaderships understand this is how we've structured ourselves. And especially when we consider the superintendency shifting, mm -hmm. because that becomes a, a strategic way forward as new people come into that role, they want to be able to create their plans for moving forward. Yeah. But even and understanding, yeah, how yeah. do we how do we move the work that has been happening in school districts and in schools? to be able to move collaborative response forward. But you don't get those jobs if you haven't had success or, or previous lived experiences yeah, that have true. brought about success. So um, we wanna bring somebody in who has can bring diversity and mm -hmm. new thoughts, new ideas sure. into a, our system. So it's a delicate balance for sure. Anyway, that was a long-winded way to say we came across this uh, particular topic, not something that's been necessarily um, brought forward from a, a partner or a listener or someone inquiring through a website. And we came across this because we were having the conversation, you know, there, while the different scenarios we've discussed have some certain nuances to them, much of the messaging that we've had around them, bringing in new staff, bringing in new principals is very similar, but this particular perspective is different. So do you want to talk a little bit about why that is? Yeah, I think when we think about central office leadership and particularly in the superintendency mm -hmm. role, there is so much decision-making and leverage that we have in those roles in regards to resource deployment, in regards to budgeting, in regards to personnel, uh, the way we're configured there are significant things at a system level that can be influenced or even directly determined by um, a superintendent or someone in the superintendent's office that can have incredible impacts, positively or negatively, on our school-based collaborative response work. I, I think it would have way more impact for how we respond from a system perspective, then we would see in the school with just a new principal uh, coming in because there's still things, even as a new principal, that are I don't have much control of that are coming from a system level. I I think the ability to impact change that has significant determination on resources that are definitely connected to collaborative response is greater. So we think about that um, piece around strategic planning and we talk all the time with schools about creating focuses in their collaborative planning and in their collaborative team meetings that are based on their three-year 
school improvement goals, which also connect to those district goals. Mm -hmm. So there is that nice alignment all the way through. And just considering that as new people come in, if those goals are changing, then it obviously has impact on how the school is moving forward on their goals as well. So just thinking about how do we understand that that planning that happens around uh, strategic goal alignment is part of collaborative response and that it has great impact on the collaboration and teams that we have uh, working together in schools. You know, the last piece that I'll add to that, Gen 2, and we hear this oftentimes, particularly from those working in central office admin roles that they see through involvement in that role, that the role that has the greatest impact on day-to-day -day operations within a organization is the principals. The principals, the ones that are in buildings that are making things happen, we would argue the people who have the greatest impact on individual students are mm -hmm. teachers who closest, but sure. things live or die in a system through the principal's office. So um, I think if I'm a principal, um, it's pretty integral that my central office team understand where we've been, what we're trying to do, where we're going, especially if, if we're operating as a cohort or even better, a full system of schools. There can become incredible misalignment if new people coming into the system perspective have not if we haven't thought about how we and I, onboarding doesn't seem like the right no. term yeah. for this that we've talked about others but if we haven't been thoughtful about how do we ensure understanding the why and the background learning and, and experiences that have led us to where we are right now you talk about the role of the principal and I once had a principal who said this was the best chair to sit in because it was connected directly to students, directly to teachers, but also directly connected to the community and directly connected to central office. So had fingers in all of those places to be able to make decisions to best support everyone around them. She mm -hmm. loved that role. So I always, that one sits, I, sits deep with me. <laughs> agree a hundred percent. But you talk about that, that new central office. And so you're describing a couple of things and, and there's two pieces that come to mind for me. So we've got central office personnel, learning services, teams, directors, different titles in different districts who are typically hired underneath the superintendent. But then you have the hiring of the superintendent that typically happens at the board level. Yeah. So when we consider bringing these roles into our district, what is so important in relation to collaborative response? Who needs to know what? And how do we make sure that the functionality that we have of a collaborative culture at the district level that we've infused across our system of schools, how do we ensure that that is sustained? Well, I think there's two different approaches because of what you've alluded to, Jen, in regards to when we're bringing in central office positions underneath a superintendency versus a superintendency, there's different mm -hmm. perspectives involved in that hiring process. So let's go to the superintendency one first. I think this is critical and we've worked with many different divisions where they've ensured that their board is understanding 
how is the collaborative response work happening within our schools and what is the impact that we're seeing mm -hmm. for students that it becomes very much a informing and supporting that the reason that we are seeing or intending to see impact in our board determined and approved priorities is through this set of structures and processes that we've established at the school. So I think um, this doesn't mean uh, having board involved in the micromanaging. We know that that role is, is governance, but to have that understanding so that when there is a search that happens for a chief executive officer, for a chief superintendent, that there is a board saying this is an important component of how we exist as an organization and that it becomes part of that hiring process from the superintendency level. And again, like we've talked in other podcasts, um, we wouldn't, we hope every time we bring in new leaders that there's new perspectives, new experiences, new things that are going to help us continue to grow, but that it's, that we don't put ourselves in a place of we're going to do a 180 and now schools are left really um, struggling in that, that reality. But then uh, at the same time, there needs to be consideration in regards to how do we keep our board informed about what is the, the power and impact of collaborative response. So those districts who are currently engaged, <laughs> just taking this as a, a takeaway is, you know, how do you have conversations with your board, with your board members at board meetings mm -hmm. about how collaborative response is impacting student learning, how it's impacting uh, staff uh, yeah. efficacy, and how it's impacting the collaborative culture across schools. And if the boards understand that, then that becomes integral to the questions that are asked when they're hiring a new superintendent or hiring new districts. So three very specific things that we can provide out to uh, listeners that we've seen. In some cases, we've been asked to come in and do a 60-minute overview mm -hmm. for board, and that's great to be able to have it coming in directly. In other cases, we've seen um, either central office personnel doing some reporting out of this is the work we've done, this is what it looks like, uh, or they've invited in principals to say, here's how the work is impacted. But I think one of the best ways I've, I've seen is being able to share uh, student success stories, mm -hmm. to be able to share, let us show you one child's experience in the division and all the, the different impact. components of collaborative response that impacted that success. I think when boards can see that, that impact. So that's one perspective of the question that you asked. The second is what if we have positions coming in underneath the superintendency, the coordinators, the directors, the mm -hmm. assistant soups, and that I think that this is where, and this is just good process and planning regardless, but it becomes even more critical when you're having transitions happening. And that's how important the documentation is. You know, when a division can say that um, we have a divisional screening process and here's what it looks like, and that's documented, it's put in place within our um, processes and procedures. Here's 
Uh, we talked about on a previous podcast, districts have, that have created portals and um, dashboards for resources and what that looks like. We have um, a number of districts that have created district-wide team meeting overviews mm -hmm. that says, here's the types of meetings that we have. What is the role and function of each one? I think when those can get documented into key handbooks and whatnot, that becomes important. I also think, and we had talked about this one off camera, that anyone coming in or vying for system roles Typically, it's going to be a little bit more of an intensive interview process. And typically, there's going to be a lot of homework done ahead of time that if we can show on the website, this is something that we do. If we can see, if I, as someone who's hiring into those roles, can see collaborative response trickling through in the division when I'm doing my homework to get ready for that interview, I'm going to go and investigate some websites like it's it's a way of just communicating out there's some background information to be able to do if when you come in are you a good fit for us and are we a good fit for you we've talked a little bit about central office positions having sort of two functions within collaborative response right their own support of schools typically through the tier four supports that are accessed by students as yeah. well as their own collaborative response in terms of how they identify schools that need supports in priority areas and how they deploy district level supports to those schools. Right. When considering the, the hiring of personnel to go into those rules, what might be some things that need to be on the minds of those in those positions that are doing the hiring? So there's a pretty in-depth understanding by the time uh, a district is really focused on collaborative response and working with their schools to make it uh, functional within each building across their system. But then they become, they get to a place, kind of an organic transition there. They start to realize that there are a number of things that schools are using, the structures and processes that schools are using that actually could be used readily at that district level, both in supporting schools, but also working with externals like their clinicians team. And how do we reorganize according to collaborative response so that we are paralleling what's happening in the schools so that we are effectively uh, engaging in collaborative response and thinking about um, and really, it's three things that always come to my mind when we talk about, you know, what happens at the district and what's happening in the schools is really about alignment. How do we make sure that our systems of support are aligning all the way from, you know, the, the collaborative planning all the way up to the district level supports? The process that we're using to guide whatever team so how are we going to work through a process mm -hmm. that allows us to effectively support both the schools and the students? And then finally, that access. Have we clearly identified access to those district level supports through the organization of our teams? So to come back then to how do we infuse that into the hiring process? I think, again, that documentation. Have we documented how all of these things uh, connect? And then can we share that out 
in a hiring process of here's how we do things. How would you contribute? Uh, and what questions might you have uh, about this process? I think obviously understanding does the person have any background or past experience that we can identify or question within it. But then again, I, I think there's opportunities to be able to say, here's how we go about supporting schools in our districts. Mm -hmm. How would you contribute to that? Um, it's again, how do you take what we've worked hard to build upon That's and infuse question. and take to the <laughs> next step? When you think about those roles and how they will be connecting to schools um, and that conversation that we often have around building the internal capacity, right? Like I, eventually we're going to work our way out of our jobs <laughs> because collaborative response is just going to be the way the world works. <laughs> when you think about those in central office roles and my own experience, this is what brings the question to mind is what about a capacity for coaching? And you're talking, Jen, when you say coaching, are you talking for coaching for new senior leadership team members coming in? And for those senior leadership team members that are coming in, their capacity for coaching schools or yeah. positions within those schools. So both, really. The, starting off first on how do we, and again, this is that whole notion of onboarding that we've been talking through several podcasts of bringing up to speed. I would say at that central office level, we do have a little bit um, more ability to be able to say, let's let's take a retreat, let's build some dedicated time where we're going to spend time as a central office team, whether that's senior leaders or a particular department, to purposefully revisit collaborative response, talk about how we've done all the things that Lorna mentioned previously, but being able to um, use it as a chance to not just bring others into the fold and into the know of what we're doing by chance we've talked on other podcasts to renew or refresh uh, the work as well. I, I think about one of our school divisions that we work with, Holy Spirit Catholic schools, where they intentionally go in partners to go out to schools to gather the data and evidence to then come back, engage in collaborative team meetings about schools, being able to be really purposeful in that scenario of of who's partnering with who, do we have new people coming in? Um, I think that's really, really important when going to visit other schools. And I also think being able to engage in school visits and having principals share with new central office leaders, this is what we do in the school, this is the impact it's seeing. I think that is not only valuable for the leaders to be able to synthesize what it is that they do and explain it to somebody else, but it would start to build those relationships as well. And I think then it always behooves new leaders coming in, especially at that system level, of how much time are you taking to listen, that you're not coming in to explicitly coach like, like you said right away, because I need to learn, I need to hear, I need to... Mm -hmm gain an understanding of the ground under my feet, uh, for lack of a better word, and having that opportunity to see, to visit, to engage in other schools, to then um, be able to help support and see where 
where there might be gaps that happen and how my expertise um, that I can bring into this division can help support. Mm -hmm. I like the idea of, um, and we see this happening lots, especially once districts are engaging in collaborative response at that level, is that partnering of district leaders to go out to schools together. Mm -hmm. And traditionally, at that district um, kind of support system, we have assigned people schools where they are kind of their key contact but that really goes directly against that idea of collaboration <laughs> that when we bring uh, more than one person to the conversation, then we are able to get multiple perspectives and multiple understandings of what's happening. And when we think about uh, somebody new coming in, that becomes even more important to partner with another district leader as you go out to learn what's happening in the schools mm -hmm. and to understand where they are at in their journey and then moving to that how do we support how do we provide the support from the district team to be able to help them move along so we've talked a little bit about how teachers might be a little i'm gonna say nervous with the idea of a new principal coming in who may or may not understand collaborative response and the culture that's been built in the school. I'm envisioning that this intensifies for principals when they consider a new leader coming in at the central level. So we've talked a little bit about, you know, central office and what they can do, but what about the group of principals when there's new leadership coming for, for them? How can they ensure that they can maintain and sustain the collaborative culture that they've grown to love so much absolutely and i think the reason why there is that intensification of worry that you allude to jen is as a staff member within a school who's seen value who's seen impact out of what it is that we've done they may or may not have done all the heavy lifting that was necessary to get it to that point i've been coming to these meetings now for six months i see huge power. I love how we're focusing on different students. I like how it's focusing on, on uh, one key issue that we can attend to. And I've got this continuum of supports. But as a leader, I may have had to invest an incredible amount of time to create the timetable that supports that to get people into those spaces mm -hmm. to um, support those that are gung-ho, but then also to help shift those that may not be excited or even resistant to um, some of the next steps and changes. The The investment and the lifting that may have been done by a leader or a leadership team may have been substantial within the school to get to that place where a staff member may have been, it may have been more experiential, what the impact that they're seeing. So to come back to your question, as a principal, I may be really concerned about has all this energy, this time, this investment, these hard conversations will potentially, it will it be lost <laughs> as we shift direction? So this is where I would be encouraging leaders. Um, the central team want to be invited out into, especially somebody Absolutely. new. I would be reaching out that invitation to say, welcome to our division. We'd love to have you come out and spend an afternoon or a day, uh, even a coffee to share 
the work that we've done and just have a greater understanding of the school or even better if i'm in a community of schools or i have a cohort that we could be bringing in to invite uh, someone new joining that central office team to come out and just learn we'd love to be able to not just start building the relationship with the individuals but to be able to start putting in some plugs of what we've done the impact we've seen uh, I, I think that would go a really, really long way. And again, as a principal who may be a little bit worried about where's the work going to go, to be able to take that little bit of an, an impactful step or a proactive step to ensuring that that work isn't lost. Yeah, so for a principal to make that invit invitation to a new member at the district office to say, come and talk with us about what we're doing. And even more, maybe come join a collaborative team meeting yeah, to come see, see what, this what looks it like. looks like. Or we've got a teacher who would love to share their experiences with this, because again, uh, it's one thing to hear it through a leader's lens, but to have teachers saying, this is how it's impacted me as a practitioner, that's huge at that central level to understand that. You know what, one of, it just popped into my head that one of our favorite things to do in the work that we get to do is to be able to go and do uh, school-wide feedback. Mm -hmm. And that allows us to spend a day in the school and just uh, be part of team meetings, be part of uh, conversations with EAs, with uh, family school liaisons with the leadership and just really understanding what's happening in their school. And it becomes a, a really great way to find out, you know, where are they in the progress around collaborative response, but it really gives the opportunity to hear what is actually happening in their school. And can you imagine if a district leader was invited to a school to just participate in, in something like that, where they can be there for the day yeah. and really understand what's happening for a school? I think that would be incredibly powerful. Absolutely. This question is brought to you by WeCollab. Designed by educators for educators, this comprehensive digital system aligns with the foundational components of collaborative response. Moving from conversation to action, WeCollab empowers classrooms, schools, and systems to provide the very best response for each and every child by informing action-based decision-making with data and evidence supporting student success. We've talked, again, some very similar messages to ones that we've had about onboarding at different levels, but looking specifically at the district level. How can district personnel ensure sustainable, maintainable supports for schools as key personnel transition through? So I think we already mentioned a little bit about um, engaging in this work in dyads, triads, small groups of divisional teams. And again, we'll go back to that Holy Spirit example from Holy Spirit Catholic schools we love the model that they have where two of their team members go out to a school, gather data. It's not just about collecting the data, but when we go in a twosome, for instance, I can take 
part in really listening, facilitating while you're taking some notes mm -hmm. for that conversation. Then the drive time that we're going to get together or to have to be able to say, did you hear this from that? And, and to be able to consolidate. But that's also starting to build a relationship for us as well. And I think if you can be purposeful mm -hmm. with uh, intentional questions yeah, too, yeah. that you're you're going forward with but for a new person mm -hmm. coming in to be able to have that experience I think that's going to build up their relationships all that much quicker at a district level as well and then when I as a new central office individual are coming in with Lorna who's established um, that again is just giving me uh, in lack really instant credibility in those school conversations that I'm part of the team, I'm learning, I'm listening as we go through. So I think that one's really important, that shadowing or that shadowing opportunity, but that it's not coming in just quiet and watching, um, that you're actually involved as part of that process. I think the other thing that really can help uh, when you're thinking about those new leaders as really establishing your assessment plan. We talked about this in earlier um, uh, podcasts as well, but mm -hmm. really as a district, having laid out those expectations around assessments and the data gathering that you're doing and how you're looking at that alignment with your strategic plans and your areas of focus. If that is all laid out for a schools in terms of timing, in terms of what assessments we're using and what's the purpose of those assessments, then it is highly unlikely that uh, that somebody else is going to come in and right away shift those unless there's a really purposeful reason for doing that. But, but that can most definitely help to set a foundation around the data and evidence which again is why the documentation the procedures the policies everything aligned to this at the system level is so important i also think that we've mentioned it before the use of that we collab software the system um where we can start collecting notes on schools and the supports that we're providing and what's working and not working that becomes such a huge repository for somebody new coming in to gather up the history of what's happened, the background, and maybe provide a little bit of understanding that is very difficult for me to ascertain on my own, um, just through questioning of others to be able to go in and see over time, here's the conversations that have been happening in that, that WeCollab system is huge. We've talked before about it, it becomes your historical record of mm -hmm. what's what's going on for not just the students at the school level, but for the schools at the district level. When we first started talking about the software and building in those parallel processes, the development of the school profile was a, a huge component because community yeah. context is so important. And mm. that context can live for years. So if I'm coming into a district role and there's 10 years of history in this community, it's nice to have a little bit of that foundation before going in and having some conversations about how we move forward. Well, and those are things that may not come up in transition. Sometimes there may not even be opportunity for transition as Lorna is leaving a role and I'm coming in to fill that role. Mm -hmm. But 
if the software can do that, I can maybe pick up some of the nuances that are important to understand about, like you said, this particular community context that is going to be really, really important so that I don't go in and put my foot in my mouth the same way that somebody else did three years ago, but they documented the understanding that, okay, this is really important to know in this particular setting. And Lauren, I want to highlight a conversation that you and I have had and that Curtis and I have had on various podcasts as well. The notion of that assessment plan. It's not just that we're going to do these assessments because we want some data. It really is the, these are our priorities. Therefore, these are the assessments we're putting in place to gather the data to inform the progress made towards those priorities. Yeah, absolutely. And understanding the purpose, I would say, is the is the next thing is really thinking about, you know, why are we doing these assessments? And even more, what are we going to do with them? <laughs> so how do we interpret that data so that it informs our next steps with students or with schools? And if new uh, leaders coming in can see those direct alignment and connections from priorities to key measures to school-developed continuums that we have in place, and then the collaborative structures and processes that we have in place to consistently bring back the but what are we doing conversations. Mm -hmm. I think if I had that understanding, it would help me tremendously as I transition in to that system-level role. Well, as always, we will be sure to link the resources that are available to any of our listeners or audience that are out there. Uh, Specifically, I'll make sure to put in the one with Holy Spirit and then the systems perspectives around collaborative response. But the links to the membership are there. The links to the website are there where you can find all sorts of samples. The links to becoming a JL Insider so that you get those weekly or biweekly emails that have the little snippets of quality information about collaborative response will all be in there as well. And if you have questions about potential interview questions, I'm sure Curtis and Lorna would have gladly opportunity to give you feedback around what you might be asking those people that you're bringing into those key district roles. Yeah, and please reach out. And uh, we don't often mention it on the podcast, but love for people to leave comments, uh, reviews, anything that uh, we can either respond to or can help with sharing out this ideas to a greater audience. So thank you, Curtis and Lorna, because we know that there's a variety of contexts where we're considering bringing in new staff to collaborative cultures. And so I think this helps to answer some specific questions about this particular perspective. 100%. Thanks so much, Jen. Ensuring success for all students is a moral imperative for all schools, but it takes a highly coordinated framework of structures and processes to maximize the collective capacity of the team. In Collaborative Response, three foundational components that transform how we respond to the needs of learners, we share an organizational mindset that involves fundamental shifts for schools and districts. Numerous school and district examples, as well as access to a large number of resources, are provided within the text and in the accompanying companion website. Join the growing number of schools using collaborative response to ensure high levels of success for students and staff, stemming from the essential belief that every child deserves a team. 
it's interesting the variety of contexts that arise when we start talking about the different scenarios of bringing in key personnel to a collaborative culture and how that might impact the staff around them, whether that be the staff above them or the staff below them. When we consider the district personnel conversations, so whether it's hiring a new superintendent or hiring into that district leadership team, whether it be directors or coordinators or assistant superintendents or whatever positions might be available to support schools, there are some key learnings that come forth. The first one being making sure the board is informed of collaborative response and its impact. So how has the collaborative culture been established in the district? How has collaborative response impacted students and staff at all levels? What have been the celebrations that have come from engaging with collaborative response so that the board truly understands how this investment, and that's what it is, it's an investment in personnel, giving them the time to collaborate, putting in the supports that are needed for students. So the personnel and the budget that goes into collaborative response is an investment on the part of the school division and needs to be understood by the board so that they, in turn, can have that same understanding with new superintendency coming in and so that they can also continue to govern so that those structures and processes, so that the data and evidence, so that the continuums of support align with the directions, the policies, the procedures that are being developed by the board to ensure that every student is successful because every child deserves a team. Another key learning for me is the notion of that interview process. We talked a little bit about questions that could be specific to collaborative response, but also the recognition that adding to a team by bringing in a team member is just that. You're looking for that person that's going to bring value to what's already in place and help continue positive growth. So it's not necessary to have a specific understanding of collaborative response, although if you had it, that would be incredible. But the idea that you're open and willing to learn about it, but beyond all else, a collaborative culture is how you want to operate. The third key learning for me is that notion of shadowing in the process of building the integrity of the team. So rather than being that lone individual that is asserting yourself into the schools, it's going out as a team through a process that has already been established in order to have those productive conversations that have been guided by intentional questions aligned with the district priorities. That opportunity to shadow someone else in the process whether you be the one facilitating the questions or you be the one that is taking the notes, the networking that happens between the two team members or three or four, depending on how that's engaged at, at each school, the conversations, the depth of understanding through things like drive time or coming back and having those collaborative team meetings at the district level reinforces the understanding of schools. 
But going out in that dyad, that triad, etc., also reinforces for the schools that you are committed to the collaborative efforts of the district and really starts to solidify the relationship of that gentle pressure, gentle support that I often hear talked about from the district perspective, right? Sometimes we're there because we want to lift you up and sometimes we're there to make sure that we're in those places that we have said we want to be. The last key learning and probably the one that is common to this entire series that we've had around bringing new personnel into collaborative cultures is that notion of systemization and documentation for the purposes of alignment and intentionality. So that's a whole lot of words to say, put it in writing and have it accessible so people can see at a glance with the click of a button, how we do what we do, reinforce the why we do what we do so that they, as it becomes relevant to them, can make meaning and have the experience, or at least be brought up to the speed of the experience of those that have been engaged in collaborative response from the beginning. If we don't have ways in which we can have that sustainable approach so that we don't have to recreate the wheel every time someone new comes on, we are going to lose the fidelity of collaborative response as a whole. And so documenting, leveraging the WeClab system if you choose, or having things in a Google Drive, combination of both, whatever you need to do in order to communicate the context where collaborative response started to where it is now and clarify the structures and processes that are in place. The Lorna talked about the assessment plan, right? What data and evidence are we gathering towards those key priorities that have been identified and the continuous supports? What is in place to be accessed by students and schools to ensure student success? That information the more that we can deprivatize it and network it across schools and keep it clear at the district level how we're going to support that at the school level, that top-down, bottom-up that Curtis talked about, the more likely we are to see the ongoing integration of collaborative response as how we do things. Again, it's not one more thing on the plate. It is the plate. For more on collaborative response, visit jigsawlearning.ca or join the JL Insider to receive access to newly added resources and content. Make sure to follow us on social media. Subscribe to the podcast and the Jigsaw Learning YouTube channel to access past and upcoming episodes. Join us again to continue to build your own capacity in leading collaborative response in your context.